following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, how's everybody feeling on this Sunday morning? This is a rough Saturday, huh? How's everybody feeling on this Sunday morning? Yeah! You look good, you feel good, it's going to be a good day. Hey, it's always an honor uh, for me to be able to stand behind this pulpit and bring God's word to you. want to give a big shout out to all those watching online. We love you. Hey, online, listen, I need your help preaching today. You better chat it up. Whatever you do, I don't even know, but just I'm always in church here, so I don't watch online, but just chat it up. Get with me. Come on. The church in here is going to get with me. We need you getting with us today. Share it with your friends. It's going to be a fun Sunday. As you just saw, we are introducing a brand new summer series that we are entitling Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. And It stems from Hebrews chapter 12, and let me give you a little bit of history here. The the, the scripture would start like this, therefore, and any time that we see a therefore in scripture, we need to know why it's there for, and so therefore is referring to previous writings. It's a continuing thought, if you will, and the previous chapter to Hebrews chapter 12 would be what we would call, and perhaps you're familiar with it, the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? These, these giants of the faith, and it really walks through character after character, and it, and it shows by how faith they, they were able to accomplish things. When they believed and trusted in God, their life changed. It's a really fun chapter to read if you've never read it before, but it transitions then into chapter 12, so from the Moses and the Noahs and the Abrahams, And then the Bible would say this in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are, watch, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, these people from the previous chapter, right? These these Hall of Fame people from, from the Bible, they're in heaven. And now... They're cheering us on, okay? And you may not have known this, but, but they see us. The Bible shows us very clearly. They're, they're witnessing us. And so they're up there in the stands with pom-poms in their hands. And they're, they're looking down on earth at us, those who are still running our race. That's what the Bible shows us. And then it would continue and say this, And since they are there, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, we we need to seriously consider how these heroes of the faith did what they did so we'll know how to do it so we can win just like they won, right? This is that's what we're learning from this passage of scripture. The Bible would continue to say, "Let us run with perseverance our race, the race that is marked for us." And so we're 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 setting the stage for this series and we we're understanding that these greats, these Hall of Fame members of the Bible are now in the stands encouraging you and I in our race. They're, they're in the stands and they're cheering us on saying, hey, 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 you can do it. This is what I did. You need to do it this way. It'll bring you the same results as what it brought me, right? And so I have a question for you. Have you ever been to a large sporting event where you're in a stadium with 
50, 70,000 people. Anybody ever been to an event like that? Yeah. And if you have, you'll know this to be true. That in a massive crowd, if you're on the field or on the track, what do you hear? You hear the roar of the crowd, but you can't pick out the individual voices from the crowd, right? You, you can't hear mom and dad who are up there ah, just screaming their guts out. You know, have you ever been there? Like, especially at the TV. I scream at the TV like, I mean, like I think they can hear me. Why did you shoot that shot? Like it's going to change anything. I just get spit all over the TV. It doesn't change anything. They take the same shot next time down the court. Blows my mind. I don't understand it. But the problem is, is that you can't pick out the individual voices. We hear the roar of the crowd. And so this series, Running with the Giant, stems from a book uh, written by Dr. John Maxwell. And in this book, he has this, this brilliant thought. And the thought is this, that what would it be like if one of these heroes of the faith were to step out from the stands and onto the track with you and I. What would, what would this character, what, what would they tell us if they took one lap with us in our race? What would they share with you out of all the things they've seen, out of all the things they've done and accomplished? What, what piece of advice or wisdom, what could we learn from their story as we run our race? And so today... We're going to look at a biblical character who is going to step out of the stands and onto the track with us, a man by the name of Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet that lived about 800 years before Jesus. And he's probably one of the most famous prophets simply because he's got one of the largest books. There's 66 chapters in his prophetic book. And what's interesting about Isaiah is that Isaiah in particular, he clearly, watch, he clearly saw Jesus 800 years before Jesus would walk the earth. And even John in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, says that Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord. He saw Jesus. He's the only prophet who actually shows in vast detail the crucifixion 800 years years before it would happen. He sees the crucifixion. He, he saw Jesus and he saw his life. And what's interesting about a prophet in particular is that, that prophets will help you see. That's, that's why they would call them seers, right? They see things that, that you and I perhaps don't see, which is why they call it prophecy. And so God would use them to say, hey, my people or the crowd can't see this, so I need you to tell them this. And so out of all of the the chapters in the book of Isaiah, I think Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 kind of summarizes what I feel like Isaiah would would share with us. And and it's, it's this idea really is that, hey, no matter where your life has looked like or how it's looked like up until this point, whether you've turned to the right Or you've turned to the left. No matter if you've taken the great road or the wrong road, life's great or life's awful. No matter where you are, watch, you will hear a voice behind you. God will speak to you is what he's saying. This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. To which you and I, right, some of us in the room would say, well, Brad, I've never had that. I've never had that kind of encounter with God like 
I, I want it, but I, I've never had that type of encounter where, where I know God's showing me and speaking to me clearly. And today, hopefully, I'm going to do my best to show you how you can have an encounter with God, how you can actually have a moment with God that you understand, that doesn't confuse you. Because the truth is, if we were all honest this morning, that, that many of us are living our life, and if we were to characterize it, we would say, you know what, my life is just really confusing. Like, I just, I don't understand, you know, what's happening in my life. I don't understand, you know, my spiritual journey. It's just really confusing. And, and I came across some very deep spiritual theological questions that, that really raise the idea and take the idea of how confusing life is to just a whole nother level. And I want to throw them to you to ponder for just a moment today. Questions like this. Why do they call it lipstick when your lips can still move? I'm not a lady, but this confuses me. Lip stick. They, like, I don't understand. This is conf- Life is so confusing for me. I'm just a simple man. If humans evolved from apes, why are there still apes? Think about it. This is probably my all-time favorite. I should have saved it for last, but I didn't. If the number two pencil is so popular, why is it number two? Life is confusing. I don't understand stuff. Why do people pay money to go to the the top of tall buildings to pay more money that you put in the binoculars only to look at things down on the ground? Why does every one of us, when we go to a ball game, sing, take me out, and I'm not going to sing it, take me out to the ball game, when we're already at the ball game? <laughs> like, this is the stuff that goes through my mind, okay? Y'all pray for me. God's not done with me yet. Thank God is right. <laughs> On a slightly more serious note, though, there's many of us sitting in the room today, and you're saying, you know what? Brad, I, I'm here, but I really do have a lot of questions. My life really is confusing. I, I don't understand what's happening in my life. I don't understand what's going on. And for those of you that are trying to make sense of your life, for those of you who are here today and you say, Brad, maybe, maybe I'm new around here. I've been here for a little while, but, but I don't really know what's next in my life. I don't really know what to do next. I don't know the next move to make. I don't have that type of clarity in my life. Let me share with you what I feel like Isaiah might tell you. Listen, when you're trying to make sense of your life, when you're trying to make sense of it all, you need to understand this. Isaiah would tell you this, that an encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God will change everything about your life. Because a lot of us, we've walked in here, we've had an encounter with a church, we've had an encounter with a pastor or a group of people, but perhaps we haven't had an encounter with God. And listen, I want you to have encounters with all of those things. But you have to have an encounter with God. you got to have a moment where something changes in your life, where you meet Him face to face. 
When you have a moment that you can look back on 10 years from now and say, you know what, it was that moment where God did something in me and I will never be the same. And let me be clear this morning that this church does not exist to be just a building where people can come into and enjoy a wonderful worship service and hear a decent message when I preach, but phenomenal when Pastor Johnson preaches. That's not the reason this church exists. The reason this church, listen, we're tour guides. We're not trying to get you to become members of this church. We want you to have a genuine encounter with God. We want you to have a meeting with your Savior that will change your life forever. Something that will mark you, that will shape you, that will mold you and make you a different person. Well... I want that. I know that I want that. I desire it. You know that you want it, but you say that's the most frustrating part, Pastor Brad, is that I know I want it, but I just don't know how to have it. I don't know how to get there in my life. Like, I don't know what, what, is, what is that step. I would step out on a limb and say that you're probably going about it the wrong way. And this is one of the very things that that Isaiah teaches us because he's a seer. Remember, he sees the crucifixion 800 years before it happened. Wouldn't you like that kind of clarity in your own life? 800 years before. Listen, Lord, I'm just asking for a good six months. Like, I don't need a whole 800 years. Wouldn't you like that kind of clarity in your life and in your situation? Like, what's my, you know, what kind of job am I going to have 10 years from now? When you're, some of y'all just graduated college, you're wondering, what in the world am I going to do next? Wouldn't it be nice to have this kind of clarity? How are my kids going to turn out when I send them to college? And wouldn't it be nice to have clarity? Yeah, and I'm telling you, listen, you can have this kind of clarity. And Isaiah shows us how. And here, here's the first step in this process. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down is that our greatest pain will serve as a catalyst for our greatest gain. In other words, listen, God usually reserves those times to speak to us for when we're hurting the most. And let me tell you why this is important, because our natural response to pain is to run from God. Our natural response to pain is to run from from God, not to run towards God. Can I just tell you, if you're in the middle of pain right now, you need to run towards God. If you're in the middle of the worst situation of your life, you need to find yourself every morning in a prayer room or a place that you've designated where you can get a hold of God and say, you know what, I know it's hard right now, but I refuse to run from you. In this moment, I will draw as close to you as I've ever been in my life. Even, even if the pain is the pain that you created, the pain of your own mistakes... I've seen it time and time again where people say, oh, I just, uh, I've got so, I've made so many mistakes. I just need to, I need to get myself right before, before I come to God. Listen, that's the very reason you're not having an encounter with God. Stop worrying about getting yourself right and get into his presence and let his presence deal with you. Let his presence work on you. Let him make you better. Watch what Isaiah tells us in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, In the year 
that King Uzziah died. In essence, he's saying this is... This is the lowest moment of my life. This is the moment where we lost the best king that Israel had ever known up until this point. And he actually committed sin. He started so great, but he ends so horribly. And now the country, the whole country is in darkness and in disarray. But watch this. It was in his darkest moment that he would say this. I saw the Lord. He was high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, or angels, and they were calling to one another. They were shouting back and forth at each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Watch, and at the sound of their voices... You're talking about power. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds, which you're talking about, the foundations of your life, everything on the inside of you shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. The glory of God. Hear me today. I don't know what situation you find yourself in. I don't know if it's the darkest moment of your life, but now is not the time to run from God. I don't care if your marriage is on the rocks. You better get close to him. I don't care if your business is falling apart. You better get close to him. Today is not the day to run from God. Today is the day to run towards God. The second thing that I think Isaiah would share with us And I think you need to know this because this is one of the very reasons that people miss encounters with God. Because you need to know what God's going to do next. And it's this, that when you see God clearly, you're going to see yourself clearly as well. Before he does anything else, he wants to do a work in the deepest parts of your soul. Do you feel it right now? I don't have to say anything. You feel the tension? You can feel it. The pushback. Oh, wait, hang on now. I like that, I like that other preaching, but now, wait, I want to go to heaven, Pastor Brad. Yeah, but just leave me alone. Like, I want to come to church, but that's all I don't want. Don't, mm-mm. You can't have an encounter with God if you're not allowing God to show you who you really are. Watch what Isaiah would say. In verse 5, woe, woe to me. He realized, wow, yeah, I'm dealing with, with the death of the king, but, but man, I've got my own set of issues. I'm, I'm ruined. Watch, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, though, the Lord Almighty. He sees his own condition And I'm trying, listen, I'm trying my best to help you have an encounter with God, but you just need to know that he's going there. He's going to reveal things about you that you don't want anybody else to know. You're going to have to, to you're going to have to get real. It's going to happen. He wants to go, he's going to, he's going to get to the parts that hurt, the parts that don't feel good, the parts of you that scare you, the parts of you that you would just, Pass out and faint if, if anybody ever heard about. He wants to deal with those areas. you got to know that if you want an encounter with God, he's going there. I'm just warning you. Can I tell you that's the exact reason why everyone in this room, when we leave here, need to walk over to the 
old gym, new chapel, and sign up to be a part of a life group. Because you can walk in here and be a face in the crowd and walk out. Listen, but in a life group, in a group with brothers and sisters, like-minded, not perfect, like-minded, moving in the same direction, it becomes much easier for you to see yourself clearly because you can take the mask off and begin to peel away the layers of what's going on. Listen, we grow in settings like this, absolutely, but we also grow in, in the circles of life groups. Exactly why we need to be a part of life groups. And you would say, well, Pastor Brad, why am I stuck on my spiritual journey? Why am I stuck here? Perhaps it's because you're not allowing God into the deepest parts of your life. And Isaiah teaches the importance of this. So here's the next step on this journey. And it would be this, that God removes our past so he can redeem our future. Come on, God removes our past so that he can redeem our future. For some of you, the reason why you're stuck is that you're not headed toward this resolve. The reason you're not headed towards your future is because you've not allowed God to help you deal with your past. You've covered it up, covered it up. I'm not going to think about it. If I don't think about it today, it'll go away. I'm just not going to deal with it. Or maybe you try to deal with it, and guess what? You don't have the power to deal with it effectively on your own. You've got to allow God into the deepest parts of your life and allow him to do what he does so well. stuck. You felt God. You've seen God move, but you're sitting here week after week and you feel like, I still don't know what's next for me. Like, I don't know what my next thing is. Can I tell you what's next for you? Get past your past so that God can redeem a glorious future for your life. Just go ahead and settle it once and for all today. But the problem is, many of us, we can't see this. And why we need Isaiah, the prophet, to help us see it is because we have a wrong picture of God. Some of us grew up in environments where you were told everything that was wrong with you. You were never told that you could do something that would literally change the world. That God wanted to settle your yesterday once and for all so you could move toward a future, a great and glorious future that he has in mind for you. Do you understand that God, he's not a negative God? You know that, right? Like he, He's not sitting around up there with the angels talking about all the bad things that you're doing. You know, that he's not a negative God. God doesn't want to talk about your past. God wants to settle your past once and for all. Verse number six would say this. He, he says then that one of the seraphims, the angels, flew over to the altar where the coals were. Imagine this. And he takes a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And the altar is a place where blood was shed so that your sins could be paid for. And now our altar is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'll take this coal and with it, watch, he touched my mouth. And he says, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin 
is paid for. And you need to know this today. I don't know who I'm talking to in the building today, but the reason that you haven't had an encounter with God in the way that you desire is because you haven't allowed God to deal with your past. You haven't given him the freedom to settle your past for you in your mind once and for all. You keep bringing it up thinking I'll never be anything because of that. Listen, no, no, no. He's ready to settle your past. Will you let him? You're still seeing your life through the lens of yesterday. And I'm telling you that by the blood of Jesus, you have been forgiven. Come on, does that make anybody excited this morning? That you have been forgiven. But he takes it a step further because he knows that we like to beat ourselves up mentally. Watch what Hebrews 8 says, that he also cleanses our conscience from everything. He changes the way that you feel about yourself. Come on, we need that. He knew we would need that. That's why he put it in there. Then I'll tell you what he's going to do next. I love this. After he does all this change on the inside of you, watch the next verse. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? In other words, I see a candidate. God looks at Isaiah and says, I see a candidate right in front of me. Whom shall I send? You realize just a few verses before, Isaiah saying, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And just a few verses later, now he's saying, I see a candidate. Whom shall I send? I mean, I, I've got a past, I've got a, oh, I'm a man of unclean, but whom shall I send? God just asks him. This is the beautiful part about it. God simply asks him, whom shall I send? You need to understand that God is never going to force you to follow him. He's going to invite you to follow him. He, he's not going to force himself upon you. No, no, no. He's just going to invite you. He invites you to follow him. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, I loved his response. I will. Me. Here I am. Send me. A man of unclean lips, sure. But if you can use anybody, Lord, you can use me. I'll send me. I'll go. I love that attitude and that passion. Here I am. Send me, see, some of us will never, some of us will never experience the best parts of God until you're doing something that changes the world. And we think changing the world is like inventing the cure to cancer. Sure, that's changing the world. But you know how you change the world? You get involved at a local church, uh, say Christian Life Austin, and you, say, you start serving and you start greeting people as they walk in. Listen, did you know today, listen... This is hard for some of us to believe. Today is somebody's first day to ever walk in the doors of this church. To walk in the doors of any church, perhaps. The first time that somebody in this room has ever heard about Jesus. And listen, if you start serving on a team, it changes the world person by person. You're impacting people that don't know anything about the kingdom. Y'all going to get me fired up. So before Isaiah finishes his lap with us, I imagine based on what we've already talked about, that he would leave us with a couple of final words of encouragement. And I want you to receive these today. The first one would be this. Hey, listen, I want you to know, I want you to know that God wants to reveal more of himself to you. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. 
I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if you're on staff sitting here. I don't care if you've been, uh, this is your first time in the church. I don't care if you've been here 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Listen, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. You haven't received everything that there is to receive from God. I haven't received everything that there is from God. He wants to reveal more of himself to you. And if we ever get to the place where we feel like we're there and we received everything that there is to receive, can I tell you what's going to happen? You're going to get bored in your Christian life. And you're going to walk in here and you're going to have your arms crossed like this. And you're going to say, oh, Pastor Johnson better bring something I ain't never heard before. Because I heard a lot. If it's going to move me, it better be something fresh and new. That worship team better sing an, an, a good new song. Something that, that song I know that stirs my soul. Hey, did you know that I can walk up there in the kids' service, and I don't know who's teaching our five- and six-year-olds, but I can get something out of whatever's going on up there because of my expectation. See, we sit and we say, oh, yeah, we know where the preacher's going before he gets there. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. Yeah, for I know the plans I have for you. I've been there. Move on. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, can I, give you, can I give you just a piece of advice today? Listen, it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. It doesn't matter if you're on staff here, if this is your first time. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. If you're a new Christian, listen, seek the Lord. If you're a seasoned saint, seek the Lord. If you're preaching the message today, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Go after God. Seek Him with everything that you have. Go all in. Go all in. In Jeremiah chapter 29. Oh, preacher, I heard that. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 adds an important detail. Guess what else he says? I love this. If you seek God, you'll find God on a condition that you go all in, (laughs) that you seek him with all of your heart. You want to find God? Seek him with everything that you have. That's how you find God. You don't hold anything back. You let him deal with those deep, dark, secret places of your life. I'm all yours. See, we're trying to control our spiritual journey. God's pulling us, and we're holding the reins. Hey, ho, hold up. Come on, Lord. Let me have me, and I know that's good, but whoo, whoo, hold up a little bit. See, some of us are scared. I'm just going to be honest. Like, if I go all in, like, I, I'm just scared that God might send me to a little hut in Africa. And uh, I don't want to go to a hut in Africa right now. Can I tell you, God's not going to call you to do anything that you're, you're not thoroughly going to enjoy. It may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but there's going to be something on the inside of you that burns with passion and desire. Listen, if he calls you to do something, it's going to be something that you'll be excited about. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't know about all that. I mean, I'll give you a hand clap, but I'm, I'm still not sure about all that. I mean, I've been to church. I've been in this church. I see people raising their hands, going all in. I mean, clapping, jumping, people crying. I mean, whoo. 
I just don't know if I can do that. If that's you, guess what? That's your next step. That's your next thing. See, some of us, we've just been coming to church. And we got the good old leftover right working, you know what I'm saying? Just sitting there during worship. Man, people jumping, people moving, people crying. You know what you need to do? Like, here, here we go. You know, here's really where we are. See, some of y'all, y'all be like this right here. Mm, mm, mm. See, your toe got the victory, but it just ain't made its way all the way up to the rest of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, that's good. You know what you need to do? Here, let me just, a little piece of advice from a 35-year-old person. I don't know. Worship service is going on left over right, working strong. You're working your left over right game strong right here. You got the, the toe bump. You know what you need to do? Do the look around. Make sure nobody's looking. Uh, uh, uh. Woo! Oh, yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah. And then you know what, what else you need to do next? Some of you would thank me if you got the right over left working. Your, uh, yeah, and then you kind of, oh, you're kind of loosey-goosey right here. You're feeling good. And then all of a sudden, you're like, get you some of that devil. What? Oh, yeah. Hey, woo! Some of y'all would thank me. Say, what in the world have I been waiting for? I can worship him with everything that I have. Hey, come on. Hey, you know, church is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I was mad when they said it. No, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Y'all get me tickled up here. Y'all stop. (laughs) Pastor Randy, if you'll help me. Listen, I'm telling you, if you would try this, if you would try that, you would look at me and say, what have I been waiting for? It would, it would move you on the spiritual journey to a place that would blow your mind if you would give it a shot. Listen, your life won't make sense until you have an encounter with God. The second and final piece of encouragement that I feel like Isaiah would share with us today is this. God wants to change you. He loves you the way you are, yes. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay the way that you are. And that includes me. We've got to stay pliable and moldable for him to shape us. In fact, I think he would remind us, hey, I wrote it in chapter 1 of my, of my book here, verse 18 and 19. Come now, God says, let's get together. Let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. He's saying, listen, I want to change something on the inside of you. You're still dealing with some junk. And if you'll give me an opportunity, I'll change everything for you. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. Watch, if you are willing and obedient. That's your only role. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, whatever you want to do in me, I'm willing and I'm obedient. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it with everything that I have, willing and obedient. We got to get together, church. We, we got we to get together and say, God, whatever work you want to do on the inside of me, 
I'm okay with it, even if it scares me and intimidates me. I'm okay with it. Because we look at our lives and we say, well, Pastor Brad, there's just a lot of work to do on the inside of me. Can I give you one of the most beautiful illustrations from the Bible that I have a feeling just might set you free today? The Bible uses a metaphor of newborn babies with the change that needs to take place in our lives. First Peter chapter 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation, which none of us has right now, including myself. There's more. God's always got more for you and I. Watch. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted the Lord's kindness. Like a newborn baby. How does a baby grow? Well, let me show you this example. So perhaps you bring the baby home from the hospital, right? And it's the baby's first, it's at the hospital, the baby's first feeding. You remember this moment. Some of you don't because it's been too long. But let's say you did. Oh, getting the bottle ready, ready. Oh, this is going to be such a great moment. But instead, we say, hey, sweetheart, you know what my favorite meal is? I love pizza. Not just any pizza. I love pepperoni pizza. And since I love it so much, since this is my preference, guess what your first meal is going to be? Yeah, you got it. Not that milk that you thought you were. It's going to be pizza. Get you some of this pizza. Oh, it's so good. What would it do to the baby? I love you, sir. It'd do a whole lot more than heartburn. It'd give me heartburn. Right? We don't feed a newborn baby pepperoni pizza. Or we bring the baby home and what do we do with the baby, right? We get them a cool backpack because that's the kind of uh, diaper bags you got to get these days. They got elephants on them. They got dinosaurs. They got unicorns, depending if it's a boy or a girl. But instead, think about it. Instead of putting diapers in there and your little changing thing and your wipies and the toys for them to chew on. You know, you, you trade that diaper bag for a good old Jansport. Anybody know I'm talking about a Jansport with the rubber on the bottom? And instead of diapers and all that, you load it full of calculus books and chemistry books. And you say, guess what? I know you thought you were going to get a cute diaper bag to go into the world with. But guess what? Today is your very first day of high school. Good luck. No. That would be foolish. That's not how they grow and mature. It's a process. It's milk. And then it's soft foods. And then you get a little bit more and a little bit more to where they're eating what we normally eat now. And that's the way it works on this journey. And isn't it incredible that we can come together and be on different ends of the spiritual continuum and worship together knowing that all you and I need to do is take our next step. Whatever that next step is, some of you, listen, some of you don't even know Jesus. I don't need you in a life group. I, don't, I just need you to give your heart to Jesus. That's your next step. You don't have to serve. You don't have to tie a 10%. You just give your life to Jesus. Some of you have been coming for a little while and you, you, you love it enough for you to come for several months. Listen, go to start here. Join the church. That's your next step. Some of you some of you haven't been water baptized and you know God's dealing with you. Sign up to be water baptized. That's your next step. What's your next step? Come on, think about it today. What's next for you? We're not forcing you to jump to one end. No, no, no. You just take the next step. Some of you are are scared to death of what God wants to do on the inside of you. 
Come on, somebody needs to let him fill you with his spirit today. That's your next step. Jumping into a life group might be a next step for you. What is your next step? Would you stand with me? Some of you need to jump on a team and serve and do something that changes the world. So here's how we're closing our time out together today. I don't want any of us to leave here today with confusion about what our next step is going to be. Come on, I believe when we pray in just a moment, I really believe that throughout the course of this message that you have begun to feel what your next step is. God's been dropping stuff into your heart and into your mind of what it is that you need to step out and do next. I'm not asking you to get all the way there. I'm asking you to take one step. One step and watch how you and God begin to collide. So as I pray, I want you to begin to ask God, Lord, what is my next step? What is my next thing? Can you do that with me today? Would you throw your hands heavenward if it's comfortable for you to do so? Lord, we love you today. God, I thank you for the hero of Isaiah who would share with us some incredible principles and help us understand the importance of taking a next step. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to drop in our hearts and in our minds what our next steps are. What is it that you're wanting us to do? What's next in our spiritual journey? Because none of us are there. Help us, oh God. Help us to determine what that next step is. And let us, Lord, once we know it, once you've dropped it in our hearts, let us accomplish it. And then once we do that, let us move on to our next step. Let's continue to grow so we don't get in a rut and get bored in our Christian journey because there's always more with you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.